Biden is considering an executive order on gun control. The Senate confirms a transgender woman as the assistant health secretary, and Pantene releases the worst commercial I've ever seen. I'm William Hall, and this is The William Hall Show. Welcome back to the show. So starting off, I put out a separate video on this incident, this mass shooting that took place in Boulder, Colorado. Now, we do have the information on who this person is. The actual killer in this instance goes by the name of Ahmed Al-EC, something like along those lines. Basically, he was initially described actually as a white male. Like if you were on Twitter and you were paying attention to the mainstream news, the way that the pictures looked, he looked a bit light-skinned, and everybody jumped on this idea that this must have been, had to be, a white male that committed these murders. Well, unbeknownst to them, we got information on the guy's name, which, by the way, took a suspiciously long time to actually get the details on what that name was. I wonder why that was the case. But this person was a Muslim. They are an immigrant from Syria, and they posted several times, a lot of times, on their social media platforms about Islamophobia in the United States and other places abroad. Now, the reason why this is actually important is because this guy's a staunch Muslim. It's very obvious that this was the case. He had uh, His actual social media was taken down shortly after his name was revealed, for obvious reasons. But there's this post here that I'm posting up here that you can see if you're watching on the video version here, where he says the Muslims at the Christchurch Mosque were not the victims of a single shooter. They were victims of the entire Islamophobia industry that vilified them. Now, this is, of course, right in line with the things that we've heard Ilhan Omar, the sentiments from her and others like that in the Democrat Party that have been talking about this. I mean, this guy hated Trump. There were so many posts that he had as well where he was attacking Trump. So we can clearly deduct that this guy was not who the media made him out to be. He's not who the far left-wing blue check marks on Twitter thought he was going to be at all. The last thing is that we want to do in this situation is try to politicize all of it. But the fact is, is that this, when you're talking about making massive gun law changes like the Democrats are doing, somebody has to actually talk about what's really going on here. What really took place? Who is actually committing these types of crimes before we start talking about trying to reform all of these different gun bills. So the Syrian-born Boulder shooter, like I said, Ahmed Al-Isi, his identity apparently was already known by the FBI. That's kind of weird. I mean, how was he already on their watch list and yet nothing was done about it? So there was a report that came out just uh, about a day ago that was basically saying that uh, the 21-year-old Syrian-born killer like I said, this is the guy that killed 10 people, including, by the way, a 51-year-old police officer, Eric Talley, on Monday. And this was all happening in this grocery store. He was armed with both a military-style semi-automatic rifle and a pistol when he had walked into the grocery store on Monday and opened fire. Now, like I said, the suspect's identity was previously known by the FBI, and it was linked to other individuals under investigation by the Bureau. So they knew who this guy was. This wasn't a surprise. I mean, it was obviously a surprise, I think, to them maybe because they weren't looking at it that way. But he was already under investigation. How many other people are probably under investigation right now that the FBI won't look into but also probably aren't even allowed to look into 
because everything has become this, I don't know, this kind of 9-11 apologetic type idea, this way of basically saying, oh, well, not all Muslims are bad, which of course is not the case. Not all of any group of people is bad. But to take away from the people that did it and, and go so woke with it that now we can't even investigate people that are clearly involved in these behaviors that are in the United States right now is crazy to me. I mean, the FBI probably spent more time trying to hunt down the people that were doing the stuff at the Capitol on January 6th than they are focusing on people that have actually died at the hands of people like this guy at the grocery store, which does bring up a lot of issues. So the blue check marks on Twitter, of course, with all this information being available now, lost their mind. So this guy had put out this tweet. And once again, I showed this in a video that I put out separately of this, but he basically went and backtracked. He he was one of the many left-wing people on Twitter that literally assumed that this shooter was white because they wanted him to be white. They needed for him to be white. This guy says after he was basically found out, he had to delete the tweet uh, after all the information was finally available. So this was his response. He's one of the few that actually responded. Some of the people, most of them, did not say anything else afterwards at all. They either took down the tweet or some of them just blatantly left it up and didn't care. But this guy said, yesterday, I assumed the shooter involved was a white male. I was wrong. Over the last decade, a majority of these horrendous acts have been by white men. But I still refuse to give this murder notoriety. Our attention must be on the victims and the Boulder community. Well, let's take a look at those victims. All 10 of which, by the way, are white people. That's something that the media will never talk about. Now, the reason why I'm bringing this up is because literally last week, there was a guy that was going around shooting people in Asian uh, massage parlors. And they said it was a hate crime. Even though the guy gave them the exact reason why he did it, which had nothing to do with that whatsoever, they literally just assumed that that was the case. That was the headline that they ran with. Now, you had Michael Moore, which is just, uh, ah, man, this guy is so tiring. But he puts out just probably one, of, probably one of the worst tweets I've ever seen, where he basically said, quote, the life of Ahmed al-Iwi Asil Elisa shows that people can come from all over the world and truly assimilate to our beloved American culture. I'll take horrible tweets and things to say for 200. <laughs> wow, man. What is he talking about? Are you saying that it's a part of American culture to accept people in it that perform mass shootings? What is this guy talking about? I don't understand what's going on here whatsoever, but I would love to see him say that to the victims of the families that actually died in that grocery store. How in the world can somebody make a tweet like this and like not be considered as one of the worst human beings on planet earth? I don't get it. That's hor a horrible thing to say. The fact that this guy's spoken for Democrats on the same stage as other Democrats is ridiculous. So just as we probably assumed, if you've been paying attention to the way these things work, you have the coronavirus, then all of a sudden, a lot of laws get passed to basically try and capitulate to this virus. You have these shootings, all of a sudden, all these laws are and, and talks about laws are going into place about gun reform, of course. So Joe Biden is now considering an, a, some type of executive action on this situation. So Jen Psaki at a press conference said, we, quote, we are considering a range of levers, including working through legislation including executive action. In other words, basically just ramming through, they're not, they're not going to consider anything in the process of all of that. Now, if you recall, Joe Biden during his campaign literally said, literally said that he was going to do the opposite of that. 
How you intend on getting the union vote when there is a large portion of the union workers that are gun enthusiasts and you are actively trying to diminish our Second Amendment right and take away our guns? You're for shit. All right, thank now, you. Now, no, no, shush. Shush. I support the Second Amendment. The Second Amendment, just like right now, if you yell fire, that's not free speech. And from the very beginning, I have a shotgun, I have a 20 gauge, a 12 gauge, my son's hunt. Guess what? You're not allowed to own any weapon. I'm not taking your gun away at all. You need 100 rounds. So when you were in Beto, no. when you said you're going to take our guns, I did not what? say that. That's yes. not. I did it's not say that. It's a viral video. Well, it's a viral video like the other ones are putting out that are simply a lie. Your voice. You said that you're taking the gun. Well, no, he just clarified it. Wait, 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 wait. Let's let's take the AR, the AR-14s. Okay, this is not okay. Hold on, hold on. All right. Hey, let's you don't tell me to go outside. There's a lot of guys. So obviously that whole thing was a lie. I mean, he clearly didn't mean it at all. I mean, we said it was a lie then. If you were paying attention, uh, most conservatives were coming out and saying, there's no way what he's saying is true in that clip. I mean, he's blatantly lying to the guy's face. Now we just completely see, they, you know, Biden will say basically anything he needs to say to get elected and then move on and go do whatever and go along with the regular old Democrat left-wing, you know, kind of ideology with everything in his law enforcement and with the different types of policies he's looking at implementing. So there isn't any, indica any indication that limiting AR-15 style guns would have any impact on such killings in the first place. These types of laws have never been effective anytime they've done that. Okay, so I'm going to kind of go through a few of these stats and things that we need to kind of know just in general. When we're talking about gun reform, all of these different laws that they try to put in place and restrictions on them, why none of this actually works whatsoever. So... The New York Times recently reviewed the weapons used in recent mass shootings. 11 out of 19 didn't use any rifles of any sort. So that's pretty important. That's pretty important because you see them talk about rifles all the time, but they very, very, very rarely talk about handguns because they think that the size of the weapon somehow all of a sudden impacts its lethality for some reason. That's not true at all. Handguns are easier to be concealed. It's much easier to get access to them. It's easier to hide them. I mean, it, it doesn't matter. Handguns are far more deadly when you're looking at the actual statistics. In 2016, handguns killed roughly 19 times as many people as rifles put together. That's pretty important to know. So when you're talking about gun reform and all these things like that, if they're not talking about these stats, the, the facts in this situation, that means that they're not being honest with you. They, they're more interested in the language than they are in actually trying to be accurate with what they're talking about and what they're trying to change here. So according to the FBI stats, you're four times more likely to die from being knifed to death as opposed to from being shot by a rifle. So that kind of matters too. Are we going to ban knives? I highly doubt it. That's never going to happen. So that's why you're, these things are important. These stats are extremely important. The Democrats don't want to look at the stats. That's the last thing they'd ever want to do is actually pay attention to what is available and readily available to our fingertips. They would rather see us remain ignorant of these things while they talk about banning assault rifles and assault, 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 and say that over and over again. But ultimately, they don't know what they're talking about at all because they're not looking at the real statistics. The truth of the matter is that if we take general gun violence statistics, I mean, just general deaths overall of people that were killed by a gun of some sort and not particularly tied to a mass shooting they will show that the best solution to actually clamp down on this is more policing more police the problem is, is that if you're a democrat you can't say that you can't not 
look at that and actually come to that conclusion. Because if you do, you're in a party that's talking about defunding the police all the time. Just last year, they were talking about defunding the police. Some of them have already done that. So you can't possibly talk about trying to add police in areas that need it the most when we have statistics showing that it does, in fact, work. Look at Chicago. Look at Detroit. Two big cities right there. Since last weekend, Chicago and Detroit alone, just the two of those, at least 82 people were shot, resulting in 16 fatalities, mainstream media silent, dead silent. That's pretty important to know when we're talking about these shootings and and these types of things and these instances that take place. On Sunday, there was a shooting in Detroit, resulting in one death, two injuries, including the shooter. No coverage mainstream media on that one either. Then on Monday, four more people were shot in Detroit, three fatally. In Chicago, there were 31 shooters this past weekend, resulting in seven deaths and 33 injuries. And last weekend, 40 people were shot in Chicago, resulting in five deaths. 15 people were wounded in a single attack. If you haven't heard of these incidents or these these types of situations, these shootings, these deaths, these uh, injuries, if you haven't heard about these, it's because the mainstream media is not saying anything about it. Is because they refuse to cover black-on-black crime. That's what 90% of these are, by the way. They don't want to talk about that. The other thing that the, the other reason why they often shy away from these two cities is because Chicago and Detroit have some of the strictest gun laws in the United States. Yet they have literally the worst gun crime of any city in the United States between the both of those. If the gun laws worked. Why can't they keep them out of the hands of criminals? Why are there still shootings happening? It's because you have in Chicago and Detroit have done nothing but talk about defunding the police. The fact that any cop that does anything to a black person all of a sudden is immediately racist no matter what happens. Keeping in mind, too, that of the police force that are actually still there, a decent amount of those, I think like 40% of them are some type of minority. They don't want to talk about that either. But none of this makes sense when you're talking about these gun laws. It doesn't work at all. It, it, it can, like, it's pretty consistent across the spectrum. It's just like the coronavirus. The states and cities that have the worst lockdown policies have the highest amount of deaths and cases. And the same thing goes for these different types of gun restrictions and laws. So gang violence accounts for 75 to 80% of gun violence in Chicago, by the way. In 2020, there were 4,115 shooting victims in Chicago alone. In 2020, Detroit had 14,782 total violent offenses, 1,173 non-fatal shootings, and 327 homicides. 7,250 illegal firearms were recovered. So what happened to the gun laws? I thought they worked. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. How in the world do you recover almost 7,500 firearms? that are illegal, and you think for some reason that they work, they clearly don't work at all. So why aren't we focusing on adding more police to these communities to make sure that you can keep this violence at a minimum? But they're not interested in that argument. They just want to think that for some reason, just adding in policy and legislation somehow is going to fix the issue. All you're doing is taking guns out of the hands of people that are law-abiding. Meanwhile, the people that were going to get illegal guns are going to get illegal guns regardless of what you put in place to keep them from doing that. So these methods have never worked consistently, plain and simple. 
It doesn't matter how much you put types of legislation and laws and tell people what you think is best. Ultimately, all you're doing is disarming the ones that are doing the right thing, the ones that just want to protect their family. You're literally taking their device from their pocket, from their house, from their abilities to actually be able to protect their family and taking that and putting it somewhere else in the hands of somebody that is going to acquire it illegally anyways. The other thing, too, is that the majority of the homicides in these areas in Chicago and Detroit were actually motivated by arguments. Not some white mass shooter like all of the blue check marks on Twitter like to pretend it is. Literally just arguments, disputes that are going on within the community. Things that, guess what? Police, more police, would often be able to respond faster, respond better. That people know, hey, if you do something, if it looks like you're about to get in some type of massive altercation, that there's a police car right around the corner that will apprehend you, that will break this up. They don't want to hear anything about that. Like I said, they're the ones talking about defunding the police. Meanwhile, what we have to keep in mind is that, once again, all of these things are just keeping firearms out of the hands of people that are going to be using them correctly to just protect their family. And instead, they're being used as a catalyst to take away your rights. Just a quick reminder that I do have a Patreon where you can support The William Hall Show directly. And also, please remember to leave a review on Apple Podcasts or any of the other podcast networks that you were listening to this on. So a reporter was in this area in front of Ted Cruz. Ted Cruz is at this podium giving this message, talking about something. And this reporter basically tells Ted Cruz to put on a mask. Uh, Check out his reaction here. Uh, Yeah, when I'm talking to the TV camera, I'm not going to wear a mask. And all of us have been immunized. So, uh, you're welcome to step away if you like. The whole, the whole point of a vaccine, CDC guidance is what we're following. So that was a massive shutdown. I, I love what he said there. I, I love it. So the crazy part is that the headline for this video, by the way, we are talking about from CNN, uh, I think it was MSNBC, this is the one they put up, and it is, quote, Cruz ignores CDC guidelines talking to press without a mask. Really? Is that really where we're going with this? Okay, let's take a look at these so-called CDC guidelines. How about we take a look at that, okay? Now, if you're watching on the video, you actually see that Ted Cruz is definitely six feet away from other people, at least four feet, five feet away from most of the people that are there. There's no one really around him that's that close. And the other people that are around him, some of them, I think all of them have masks just except for him. Once again, if there's work, why are they so concerned about it? He's trying to speak, making sure you can hear him clearly. But let's take a look at these guidelines. So the guidelines are to wear a mask when social distancing can't be achieved. Isn't that correct? Is that if you're going to be within the six feet distance, that the mask is what you should be wearing to, you know, keep you from getting the virus or whatever, to reduce your chances. Well, Cruz, like I said, he looked like he had plenty of distance between the people that were around him, at least six feet. But if you recall from the last show that I was talking about, they're changing that to three feet now. So there's no reason why he should have a mask if the three feet are fine, right? If six feet's fine, why the mask? The CDC also said not to touch your mask either, but in saying that basically if you're touching it all the time, that it might as well be ineffective because your hands are really the dirtiest thing on your body when you're around talk, touching all these things and everything else like that and then touching the mask and touching other things and back and forth. How many of the reporters can actually legitimately say, hey, I've never touched it with my hand and touched all these other things before? 
How many of them are actually washing their masks? Probably none of them. So it's pretty crazy that they're doing this. It's all about, oh, I, I need to feel comfortable. It makes me feel better, right? That's literally what the guy says. And, you know, Ted Cruz in the Ted Cruz fashion completely shuts them down entirely. The U.S. Senate has confirmed Dr. Levine. This is a transgender woman as the assistant health secretary. Now, first of all, I hate this title because it doesn't make any sense to me when you're talking about a health secretary, when it's saying assistant health secretary. It's, I'm pretty sure they created this position to be filled by somebody basically that fills in one of the gaps that they're looking at in the LBGT thing that they're trying to always basically fulfill. But Collins and Murkowski joined the Democrats in supporting Levine in this vote. As crazy as that is. Okay. Now, they're already really wishy-washy Republicans as it is. Um, but Levine has a horrible track record as Pennsylvania's Secretary of Health, where they were previously working. The, 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 the thing that people need to keep in mind here is the hypocrisy in what he did. Because the, so the coronavirus obviously ravaged a ton of homes, a bunch of different homes, nursing homes um, across the U.S. We remember talking about Cuomo during this entire time during that as well. And the Democrat policies were the things that were forcing these COVID positive patients back into these nursing homes and basically killing off a bunch of elders in the process. Now, Dr. Levine made sure that his 94-year-old mother was removed from a nursing home and safely transported to a hotel. Hmm, kind of weird, right? When confronted, obviously, by a reporter to basically, like, say, why was your mother allowed out of that nursing home in the process? She said, quote, well, my mother is actually a resident of a personal care home, not a nursing home, and that it is regulated by the Department of Human Services, not the Department of Health. My mother requested, and my sister and I, as her children, complied to move her to another location during the COVID-19 outbreak. My mother is 95 years old. She is very intelligent and more than competent to make her own decisions. Yeah, I don't think that's true at all because what we're seeing here is that his mother was literally pulled out of the nursing home right before the terrible Democrat policies went into effect that was putting COVID-19 people in these nursing homes. That's not a coincidence. To paint it as anything like that is ridiculous. But once again, you know, we're putting these people in that have no business being in any position in government, especially somebody that's trying to be a health secretary and an assistant health secretary. This is all, keep in mind, this is also the exact same person that has no problem giving hormone blockers and, and supports the idea of giving hormone blockers to kids that are well under the age of 18, by the way. No problem with that. So kind of in a similar vein, Pantene became the latest brand to endorse child abuse. That's basically what's going on here. Check this out. Sawyer is an old soul. She is our uh, spunky and creative kiddo. Sawyer also happens to be a transgender girl. I remember the first time she was out in the community wearing the clothing she wanted in her hair and she kind of was herself. And that was the first day where I saw her. She has always been super gender creative and hair has been a big part of her transition. 
Once she told us that she identified as a girl, she immediately wanted to grow her hair out. It made me feel good and confident, and it made my insides match my outsides. This was a kid who knew who she was from such a young age. And as a mom, you always worry about your kids being um, loved and accepted. So I'm always telling Sawyer to never hide who she is, always be herself, never be afraid to step out and exist as the person that she is. Our family motto is everybody loves everybody no matter what path you follow. It means I can be who I am no matter what. It doesn't matter because everybody loves me. My advice is just be yourself and don't let anybody tell you who you are. Absolutely disgusting. Truly, truly it is. So one of the lines that really stuck out to me was where they said, once he told us that he was a girl, he wanted to grow his hair out. Sure, sure. First of all, I'm very positive that that child did not tell them anything about this. I believe that he was coerced to do it. I mean, from the looks of it, it looks like both parents there are two females, two lesbians. That's what it looks like. But obviously he wanted to grow his hair out to look like a girl because that at that age, that's what you view as a girl as being. Long hair, dresses, things that are superficial, right? That's what we're talking about here. That's how children view girls and boys and the differences between them. They don't know any different. That's what's so evil about all of this. If you tell any of the leftists, by the way, any of them, that long hair, dresses, and makeup define a woman, they will lash out at you, you've said the worst thing, you're sexist, because that's not what really defines a woman. Then why is this child allowed to say this on a commercial? Why are brands endorsing it? Why is that happening? But that is exactly what this child is saying in that commercial. How come we can't ask if this has anything to do with him being raised by two lesbians? Why are we not allowed to ask that question? Oh, is that you're being, you know, uh, phobic against this, this and that? No, we should be able to ask that question. When you have a child that is being raised in a household of only women, maybe there's a question of maybe, you know, he has some feminine tendencies. Maybe he wants to fit in with them. And, and then there's this other line where he says, Quote, everybody loves everybody, no matter what path you follow. Listen, love and acceptance are two very, very, very different things. They are, okay? Anybody that's lived in the world, knows what's going on, knows that those are two very different things. You can tell someone what is right and still love them. Good parents oftentimes forbid their children from doing things all the time because they love them. There's oftentimes, there's many things as a child that I wanted to do that and I'm sure that I've done that, I don't even know about because I can't even remember it, but that I probably wanted to do as a child that my mom said, hey, you're not, I'm not going to allow you to go ride this dirt bike over here to this area and get hurt because I love you. Oh, it's, but it's, you have to love everything about me. You have to let me do everything, right? That's what this child is thinking. That's what these people on the left think. That's not true at all. That's the problem with our culture is that it doesn't matter how you live, what you believe in, what you do, and how you behave. We must 
accepted and not only accepted because that's not enough. You you can't they don't see they don't want the Christian love. They don't want the Christian love of saying, look, I love you to the point that I want you to go to heaven. So I'm going to tell you the right way. I'm going to tell you the the truth of the Bible. I'm going to I'm going to tell that to you and hope that you will come around to understanding that this idea that when we say that God loves you, that he loves you. But that doesn't mean that he likes your sin. Those are very two different things. And the idea and under, people don't understand that they don't want that love. That's not the love that they want. What they want is not only that, they want acceptance, but on top of all of those things, what they really want is for it to be championed by you. They want you to vouch for them. They want you to do what Pantene is doing and to put up a commercial like this, this horrible commercial, and say that this is what we believe in. That's the ultimate problem with all of this. This is child abuse. It should not be tolerated, let alone championed by major brands. I doubt they're going to be the last ones that are doing this. These companies truly don't care about these people. They don't care about these issues. This is virtue signaling at its finest. Anyone who says a young boy is capable of making this kind of decision on their own is insane or lying. Plain and simple. I don't care what the situation is. There's no way that a child that young should be able to determine that they're a girl all of a sudden. And then the first thing they want to do is do all of the things that leftists would hate you for saying defines a woman in the first place. How on earth does that work? So... A soccer player, uh, Megan Rapinoe, talks about equal pay at the White House and completely gets all of the details wrong. I'm a member of the LGBTQ community with pink hair. And where I come from, I could have only dreamed that I would be standing in the position I am today at the White House. I'm also a professional athlete, and I've helped along with all of my teammates uh, virtually here today, one teammate literally here today, Uh, win four World Cup championships and four Olympic gold medals for the United States. And despite those wins, I've been devalued, I've been disrespected, and dismissed because I am a woman. And I've been told that I don't deserve any more than less because I am a woman. You see, despite all the wins, I'm still paid less than men who do the same job that I do. For each trophy, of which there are many, and for each win, for each tie, and for each time that we play, it's less. And I know there are millions of people who are marginalized by gender in the world and experience the same thing in their jobs. And I know that there are people who experience even more where the layers of discrimination continue to stack against them. And I and my teammates are here for them. We on the U.S. Women's National Team today are here because of them. So first of all, you don't do the same job as men do when you're talking about this, okay? This has already been debunked time and time again. I'm surprised that they even are like kind of capitulating to this because we know for a fact that this just isn't the case at all when we're talking about what's going on. So here's, here's the actual story of why this happens. Men in soccer get paid more because their actual industry makes more money for the teams. That's it. That's simply it, okay? This has been debunked, as I mentioned. It's not hard to look up the stats of the amount of revenue that men's soccer produces versus the amount of revenue women's soccer produces. That's the reason why the pay is different. It's not because they're just saying, oh, we're just going to pay less because we can, because we we don't want that to happen. Do you think any of these, these leagues or teams would purposefully pay them less money? 
That doesn't make any sense. Come on, guys. Do they think they're really that stupid? I mean, she's really actually saying this at the White House as if that is true at all. And it's not. I genuinely don't understand how grown adults cannot understand the basic concepts of how revenue of a company or league or team plays into the amount of money that a player makes. That's the way the world has always worked. If a male developer at Google, for example, makes a makes more money than a female developer at Twitter, does that mean that there's a pay gap between them and it's because Twitter is somehow sexist towards her? No, that's not true at all. It's because Google makes a lot more money. Google is a significantly bigger company. They can pay more money to do that. Yet we're not making these comparisons because that would be stupid. And in this situation, we shouldn't be making this comparison either. Of course, these two companies are different and these two leagues, these two sports in the sense of the types of industries that they're dealing with are different. They make different levels of money and that plays into it. And the other thing too is that there's a wiki of this player's statistics where it says that she makes $168,000 a year, not including sponsorships, by the way. She has said she makes $3 million a year. So if she makes $168,000 a year and isn't happy, might as well get a second job, right? But if you're making $3 million and you're sitting there saying that you're not getting paid what you are owed, you're just greedy. You just want to be on the main stage and complaining. That's all it is. You want to be a victim so bad, but your $3 million check keeps you from really being a good victim because you just really make a fool out of yourself standing up on, you know, on the podium there talking about these issues as if for some reason they affect you in any way, which of course they do not. So always have to end the show with something pretty funny because <laughs> this clip here is a woman singing a Disney song about the Biden stimulus bill. Look at this stuff. Isn't it neat? Competent leaders getting us back on our feet. The American Rescue Plan. It has almost everything. A year into this mess, recovery unfolds. How many wonders can one rescue plan hold? Reading it over, you'd think, really? No Republicans voted for this thing. It's got direct relief to American families. It's got a path to reopen our schools. Cost of childcare? Tax credits, baby. It's like they care. It's a big deal. But wait, there's more. Don't you want to be where the people are? Don't you want to go, want to go out dancing, having convos with those, what are they called again? Oh yeah, friends! Some folks thought we could reopen bars, but good strategy is required to reopen safely. And now by May 1st, we can all get the vaccine. Then we can talk, then we can hug our friends and our family and our loved ones. It's exciting to see a shift in ideology, a plan for our world. All right, I think I lost a few brain cells watching that, to be honest with you, but... Look, it's been over 15 days to flatten the curve. We, we've been past it. We've gotten past that already. Generally, people have moved on with their lives. Where Most people are not actually literally holed up in their houses, refusing to leave at every step of the way, refusing to literally leave 
or see anybody, any friends or any family. The only people that are possibly doing that are maybe people that have been brainwashed entirely by CNN at this point, but that's beside the point. Maybe this song, I don't know, maybe it's meant to, to actually make fun of people that do that. Maybe that's what it is. I don't know. It's just really, really, really cringy, and it's just trying to make this whole bill out to be the greatest thing since sliced bread, when in reality, it's not. Every amount of money that is going into the stimulus bill, we're going to have to pay back at some point. The government is literally giving us a little bit of our money back. Not all of our money, just a little bit of our money back while paying all of these other types of things to other places. The way that she's acting as if that bill is somehow ending all poverty and the best thing to happen is ridiculous because that's not what it was. That's not what was actually going into the bill whatsoever. Actually, less people got money under this this actual last stimulus than got the money the last time. That's an absolute fact if we're just looking at the plain numbers of this situation. So I don't know. This is just really, really, really cringy, regardless of whether it was supposed to make fun of these people or to praise these people. I don't know. It's just really, really weird. And I don't want to see it again. So with that being said, I thank you for watching this video and listening to the episode as well. And I will see you on the next one. You just watched an episode from the William Hall show. Please remember to like share and subscribe.